Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, but listen, before we... We, we've got a surprise. We've got a surprise guest. We've got a great guest on the show. Someone who I know pretty well, and uh, someone who I know that uh, Kings fans are constantly monitoring um, every single day to see find out what's going on on the show. And uh, this can, came out as a surprise, so we truly appreciate it. Uh, we're gonna bring him on. Forget about the. You know, as a matter of fact, we were talking baseball. This is a perfect time to bring in uh, uh, this this guy. Um, Friend of the program, Mr. Johnny Ruiz, is actually on the show with us. What's going on, Johnny? How are you, man? I'm good. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we're good. good. We can hear you right, good, awesome. man. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good. Long good. time. Absolutely. Definitely, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's funny because we were just talking about Gino's extension uh, for another yeah. three years with the program. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of fans that are, uh, uh, you know, talking down the extension vish uh he's as he just mentioned uh he's he's a fan of the extension i uh look i think it's warranted based off of uh how he how he performed um as a coach you know number six uh, national seed uh yeah they did falter down the stretch uh for many reasons but um look listen i mean if there's anybody that deserved it it was definitely gino just based off of what he's done with that team um, and I know there's a, there's going to be question marks like always. You played uh, you played under Gino for for a little while. Talk to us a, a little bit, real quick, before we get into you know what everybody obviously wants to talk about. But um, you know your experience being coached by Gino Damari. Yeah, so so Gino was the hitting coach uh, when I was there at Miami. Um, you know he's obviously very passionate about the school, uh, passionate about the program, and making sure it's it's the best in the country. Um, and again, look, he he he's. He's done a good job in the regular season, I think, of, of making the most out of what his roster has been. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's also learning to become a head coach. That's something that that I think is maybe a little bit different than when you're an assistant, right? Like he has control of the entire program. He can kind of do what he wants now, uh, where before, you know, Jim Morris and, and other coaches had kind of been able to implement what they wanted. So. Uh, you know, I, I think the best is, is still ahead of Gino. I, I think he really cares about the program, which is the biggest thing. And he wants to see it succeed more than anyone. So when you're when, when you have somebody that cares that much about it and that wants to see it succeed, uh, you know, I, th- I think they're in, in a good spot. Um, I think the roster does need a little bit of an upgrade uh, in certain key positions. But for the most part, I think they've recruited well. It's just a matter of kids performing to the level that they're supposed to, right? So, uh, you know, they, they're a top 10 seed last year. It just didn't work out in the playoffs. I mean, look at Tennessee with the loaded roster they had. They, they didn't make it very far either. So, you know, it's tough, man. I, I went to Omaha twice. I was fortunate enough to, to have very good teammates and very good coaching staff. So Gino knows what it takes to get there. He's been there. Uh, it's just a matter of, of them putting together the right roster and getting the right chemistry. And making it happen, so I, I I really don't think that they're that that far away. They just need to step up in the playoffs, and and that's the biggest thing that I you know when I was there that I noticed is 
when the playoffs start, when it's ACC tournament, when you're, you know, when you're at home hosting a regional, you know, the game changes a little bit. Guys are pitching you a little bit differently and you got to be able to respond and you got to be able to react. And that's why I'm a big believer in, in the high school baseball sort of here in South Florida. When you have guys that played baseball here in South Florida that then play in Miami, there's just a different level of competition here that when you're competing against Florida Christian and Westminster Christian and Gulliver when they were up at their prime and you even have Braddock and a lot of these other schools that, that produce talent year in and year out, it's just a different atmosphere that you're competing with and it, and it really prepares you for, for that college, at least the, the playoff experience. I think it, it, there's a huge correlation and that's something that a lot of you know the kids maybe from other places don't get to experience as much. Good point. So you actually kind of echoed some of my argument there that this feels like it's going in the right direction. Just stick with it. It feels like this is definitely things seem to be getting better every year. Um, but I do have a question as someone who's kind of, like you said, been through the NCAA tournament, made it to Omaha. How do you adjust? Because when you were with the program, it was almost an expert. It was kind of annually you get successful in the postseason. It's been a while now since the program has been successful in the in the postseason. How do you grow back how, how do they grow back into that because i think that's the biggest concern with our fans i don't think anyone yeah. cannot being a national seed right it was really like you got to finish the deal then absolutely and and that's always the goal is you know you, you obviously have to have certain goals throughout the year which which i i said it i even tweeted it before the season started last year is look they need to host a home regional right and that's step number one when i was there in miami we did that every year uh and that's the biggest thing you know playing at home it's a huge advantage number one number two uh, you know, you kind of have your home field and, and you feel more comfortable and then you also get easier opponents. So you're not traveling to a Mississippi State. You're not traveling to one of these SEC schools that, you know, you're really not going to make it out of there. Uh, it's very difficult, at least, to make it out of there. You might, but, you know, your odds are not are not high. So w when I went there uh, in my four years, we, um, you know, we hadn't really had success prior to me getting there. It was really my freshman class that kind of brought the program you know, back to Omaha in a way and bring us back to the postseason success. Uh, you know, the guys like Zach Collins and William Abreu, Brian Garcia, uh, you know, like Romy Gonzalez, Brandon Lopez, you know, the list goes on uh, with guys that were, you know, really good and that, you know, are still playing baseball now. Uh, so, so I think it takes that level of, of player, number one. Number two, when you go through every position, everyone was from South Florida or at least for the most part, uh, you know, Chris Barr is a South Florida guy. Zach Collins, South Florida guy. I was a South Florida guy. Brandon Lopez was a South Florida guy. Edgar Michelangeli was a South Florida guy. Romy Gonzalez, another South Florida guy. You go across the entire field, everyone was from South Florida. So we had, a, a you know, a little bit of a bond, I guess, in a way, because we grew up our whole childhood, right? So I played with Willie Abreu on the Snappers when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. So... You know, I grew up with these guys, and, and, and it's just a bond that, that I think separated us. Uh, and and I, I guess that's something that I maybe see lacking right now. And it's not, you know, something that, that's Gino's fault. I, I just think it's, you know, something that we need to focus on is, is getting those types of recruits. But, again, it's not easy to win in the postseason. It's just not. I mean, we, we struggled some games, uh, and, and, you know, we made it out alive. But, you know, it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. So, you know, you got to fight and you got to figure out a way to win. And that's the biggest thing that they just need to do. It, it's that simple. It's it's an execution game. It's just you need to execute in the postseason. 
I think it's also interesting that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you play ACC ball and you play some of these teams that, <clears throat> excuse me, you play year in and year out, like the Rutgers of the world, and, and some of those guys stick around, right? And so you get to see them a few years in a row. You get to kind of, you know, see, you know, their their pitching staff is some of the guys that are still there. You, you kind of know some of their tendencies, you know, from year in and year out. If you're playing a three-game series against, you know, Pitt or, you know, Boston College or whoever it is, you, you see some of these arms especially out of the bullpen a few times, then you start to, you know, it, it all changes, right, when you go to the playoffs because in the playoffs it's not a three-game series. It's it's winning, win or go home, or if it's double elimination, you're typically not playing the same team. So um, I think that you hit the nail on the head, but I think it's also, you know, the fact that you're facing someone new. You're facing, you know, guys that you haven't seen before, whether it's hitters for your pitching staff, whether it's, uh, you know, pitchers for, for, for the lineup. I mean, it, it changes everything on you know when it comes to, to playing and, and the playoffs are different like you said man it's uh it's a different different atmosphere different attitude different mentality and uh sometimes if you're not locked in it, it, I, I always say this right i always say this winning a state title i won a state title in, in, in high school um and we weren't necessarily the best team in in the state but we got hot at the right time and that was it right like it's all she wrote if you if you get hot um Ole Miss is a perfect example. Ole Miss got hot in the playoffs, and, and they ran through it after, you know, after being one of the last teams to get in. Too soon, Jazz. Yeah, Too no, soon. And it is what it is, you know, but but it is what it is. And so you got you got to, you know, hats off to them. They were at, at one point the number one team in the country. So I yep. think that there's talent there. It's just a matter of getting hot and, and playing good baseball down the road, down the yeah. stretch. So. But, that, but that goes to show you just how competitive college baseball is, right, and how slim the margin is between – and Ole Miss, who won it and was the last seed, and a Tennessee, who I don't even think they made it out of their own regional and, and was the number one team in the country the entire year for the most part. So, you know, the, 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 the margins in college baseball have become so thin in terms of the difference in talent that you have to execute. So even a Rutgers can beat you on any given weekend. They have the talent to do it. So, uh, you know, obviously Miami has better talent, and they should win, you know, nine out of ten times. But it happens, and, and when you get to the postseason, you don't have that one game to mess up. You got to be, you know, almost perfect if you really want to get to where you want to get to. And, you know, that's kind of what has plagued Miami, I think, is that, you know, they haven't really executed the way that they would have liked to. And that's the biggest thing. It, again, it, it's execution. And I think the bigger thing in, in college baseball that I notice is that every conference has a different style of play in a way. So in the SEC, you have kind of the power arms, the guys throwing a lot harder. The ACC is sort of a mix between the pack and, and you know, the SEC. They do have big arms and guys that throw hard, but they also have a lot of guys that like to throw breaking balls, and it's mostly like sliders and stuff like that. But then when you go to the West Coast and it's a pack team, uh, they throw a lot of change-ups, a ton of change-ups. And, you know, they play a lot more small ball. They're defensively, like, super sound. Uh, so – Different styles of play sometimes don't match the, the I guess, the roster you have. And you have to adjust to that. Like, I, I remember this vividly is, is we were playing Long Beach State in a regional. So my first at-bat, I get three straight change-ups in a row. Like, I had a good change-up. And I remember I, I hit a ball kind of off the end of the bat to left field. My next at-bat, the same thing. I got, like, four change-ups in a row. So my next at-bat, I'm like, damn, I need to sit on a change-up here. And I got a changeup, and I ended up hitting a double in the gap, and that's how we, we, we ended up scoring the tying run with that. So, you know, it's little things like that that the coaching staff shouldn't have to tell you. It's stuff that you got to pick up. 
based on experience, based on, you know, being logical, using your brain during the game and seeing what, you know, this guy's trying to do to you at the plate. So that's something that they really need to, uh, as players, you got to take upon yourself and you got to be smart. You got to study the game and you got to know sort of tendencies and, and these little things and have a high baseball IQ. So, you know, there's certain guys that obviously have that on the roster now, uh, but I think they need a little bit more of that. I think Yo-Yo is a great example of that, that, you know, he sits on pitches, he drives balls the other way. He knows kind of when to get after and when to kind of hold back. Uh, so from an offensive standpoint, I think that, you know, he's, he's done a good job. But uh, they need more of that, in my opinion, guys that can deliver in the postseason. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Me and Vish could probably do this all day with you, man. We can sit here and we can talk <laughs> ball all day. Uh, we can talk about the snapper days. I don't know. Vish doesn't know about that, but we can talk about the snapper days. But um, uh, kind of move, shifting gears a little bit, I know that there's a lot of people that – obviously got a kick out of what they saw yesterday, right? They got excited for it. I think everybody got excited for it. I think we got, I got excited for it. Um, you know, and what I'm talking about is the, the new renderings for the new stadium for the Miami Hurricanes football program. Um, I think uh, I think the, the, the first question that I have, and I know that Vish and Danny have questions for you on it. Um, I mean, is this for real, man? Are we, are we talking about a, the possibility of having a stadium uh, close to home, right? Closest, close to the school, but not only that, but you know something so badass as what we saw yesterday, man. Talk to a little bit about how that all came together, and and um, and you know how 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 close we are to to really you know seeing something like that for the Canes. Yeah. So in terms of time frame, uh, I think the process is very similar to what is going on at Mel Reese right now. Um, I mean, we're going to have to go through the same process. That's just how it works. So whatever their time frame is, I think, is a realistic time frame for us. Um, and, and that's just the way that, you know, our, our kind of government works here in, in Miami. So same process. I think it'll it'll be, you know, a, a very similar time frame. Uh, and, you know, we're obviously excited to, to have this project. To uh, We've kind of taken it upon ourselves because we feel like, you know, the Canes are the staple of Miami. I mean, you can have the Dolphins, you can have the Heat, you can have the Marlins, but this town really revolves around Canes football. When when they're rolling and they're hot, I mean, it's, it's you know, bigger than any other sporting event pretty much in, in Miami for sure, and, and if not the state of Florida, right? So, you know, Miami's cooking. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of watching us. So, so it, it's something that I think, you know, the Hard Rock is great. It's a great stadium. And I'm not anti-Hard Rock at all. People think that, oh, if you support the, the stadium, that you're against Hard Rock, which is actually the contrary. I think what Steve Ross and, and these guys at Hard Rock have done is phenomenal. The F1 track, I went to it. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, they've done a great job remodeling that entire facility. But it's the Dolphins facility, right? It's not the Canes facility. And I spoke about this actually earlier with uh, Peter Ariz on another podcast. But, you know, financially, how do we sustain the athletic program long term? So the university has put in a lot of resources, a lot of money and a lot of time into, you know, kind of getting Coach Cristobal, hiring Dan Radakovich, putting money into facilities that are going to start popping up now in the university. So there's a lot of, you know, sustainability issues that if you don't have monetary value coming in, you can't sustain this long term. And as Canes fans, I think that that's what we really need is what is going to sustain this program long long term. 
And I don't think it's renting a stadium at Hard Rock. I mean, there's only so much money you can make from that. There's only so much revenue to go around. I know at a certain point they get capped off of what they can make. And that's kind of why you've seen this athletic program, you know, not be willing to spend the dollars that maybe they're spending now. So, you know, it, it, in my opinion, that's the biggest thing that, that, that kind of motivated this project is how do we bring the Canes back to national relevancy? And then how do you sustain that for the long term? Right. So those are the two biggest things that I see. And if we want to be a powerhouse for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, then, you know, that's kind of the direction you have to go in. You got to bring in your own revenue and you got to be profitable, at least for football. Right. So, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. It's not a knock on hard rock. It's that the Canes need their own home and they're 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 the staple of this town. So they deserve it. Mitch, you got something there for for Johnny? Yeah, just a, a question on the finances. So how would that work? I know when we were in the Orange Bowl, the city of Miami was the was the per- people taking their big cut off of <laughs> off of the revenue and actually revenue increase going to Hard Rock because the Dolphins gave Miami gave the Hurricanes a better deal. Um, so how how would this work? Because you mentioned you have to work through this process with the city, and we're all Miamians. We know how the city of Miami works, so that's going to be fun for yeah, you. Yeah. But um, I guess in terms of like long term goal, what like what what is the the re- like? I'm, I'm assuming based on what, what you're talking about with the Dolphins kind of capping the revenue, so we definitely wouldn't want to cap on that. But um, do you, are you getting friendly? I guess overtures from the city in terms of making sure they because they're going to partially own this. They certainly own Tropical Park. There's going to have to be yep. some some money going to them or do you think we can get a good deal out of them yeah well i think i think we can get a good deal because at the end of the day it benefits the city in terms of creating new jobs uh economic development is going to go up and then that area of town is i mean if you go to tropical now and you go to those soccer fields not the ones that are the mini ones with the turf but i don't know if you guys have been there uh there's some soccer fields there in the back kind of by the lake yeah I play every I play every Thursday band. night over there. I play every Thursday yeah. Thursday night softball. Yeah, so, so yeah. I've played I've played um I played flag football there for a long time there at uh, Tropical Park. So I'm I'm very familiar. I go there pretty much once a week. So I'm very familiar with the land. Uh, I just feel like it's somewhat underutilized. So there's a lot of parts that that aren't necessary, like those soccer fields back there. I feel like don't really get used that much. I think they're actually somewhat abandoned in a way. Um, so I think this project would kind of increase the usability of the park without destroying, you know, kind of what the park is used for now, which is a lot of high school stuff, a lot of community things. So that's kind of like why the design is why it like the way it is, is that we want to make sure that people can still use the park that, you know, they don't have to pay for it. It's free. Uh, This is kind of, you know, in terms of financing, it's, uh, you know, obviously UM would have to finance part of the stadium. I think that we would, obviously jump in as we've said uh and we would get other people to jump in as well uh if you look at other stadiums people are dying to jump into projects like that so again this is not a one year two year solution so yeah maybe the first couple years um doesn't make as much money as they would want to from the project but to sustain this program long term that's the solution right so maybe you give up a little bit in the beginning to gain more in terms of longevity so at the end of the day, this Hard Rock lease is going to end and we're going to have to renegotiate a contract with them. So what better way to do that than to have your own stadium, potentially at least, uh, as, as a bargaining chip if, if you know, at, at worst case scenario. But I do think that this is the long-term solution for the Canes. I don't think there's really much better solution other than, you know, if maybe Miami Freedom Park wants to do something there and, and you know, we would absolutely love to join them 
uh, if it's a possibility. It's just they would obviously have to expand their capacity to 70,000 or 60,000 or whatever it may be. So that's that's another option also, which, uh, you know, we've obviously internally discussed, but we'll see kind of what happens with that. Yeah, it's hard. To, the soccer stadiums are so much are, are very different. People think yeah. just the, the needs are completely different. So we've actually seen a lot of light MLS teams just we need our own small stadium. We can't play in the NFL stage too big. It, it ruins. So yeah, definitely. Obviously if that yeah, makes I think, sense. I think their stadium's but... 25,000 and yeah, it's just ours would yeah. be, you know, obviously three times that. So yeah. And then for, for the so- from the soccer side of things like that, playing in this big thing where you only have like the first few rows full is not great for them. So generally that's why it doesn't, yeah. doesn't work. That's a great point though, on the, that you made on terms of, even just having it as a bargaining chip, because if you recall, I, I'm sure obviously you do, but for people listen, we were still in the Orange Bowl when we got. That's why we got a sweet deal from the Dolphins. They were trying to woo us out of our stadium. Yeah. So we had the option of staying. So they had to sweeten the deal, sweeten the deal to get us to move. So yeah, when this lease I mean, deal if, comes if, back if you, up, if there's not another option, they kind of yeah, have us. Yeah, then. exactly. And and the thing is, obviously, I mean, it's a good deal for the Dolphins because they're making money off of it. So. If it was that bad of a deal for for them and that good of a deal for us, then you know they probably wouldn't want to renew that contract. So then at that point, then where are we gonna go? So uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing is like like how do we sustain the the athletic department long term? I know I've said it a lot of times, but that that's really the the crux of of what this needs to be. Yeah, it's important to drive that that message and that point home. I think that's the most important thing is. Is, is sustainability so we totally get it yeah. um before that we, and then the students <clears throat> well that's that's true right like it's 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 easier for them to get there seven as 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 uh your old man said earlier last yesterday seven minutes away right seven minutes away from yeah. from the stadium so it's a lot easier to get there uh, before we move forward er, er, ernie says hello man he says hi um, I haven't, I haven't seen or talked to Ernie in so long. Tell him I say hi. <laughs> we'll do. He's he's doing well over at Westminster. So, um, he's the head coach at Westminster Academy. So good for him. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, DJ, do you have any questions for uh, Johnny Ruiz? Yeah, was there a specific goal in mind on how you know you wanted or the people involved wanted the stadium to look? Did you guys model it after anything, or did you just kind of leave it up to the developers and they would? get input uh so so i helped the developers in terms of what i thought it should look like um so putting it on the lake in the layout it, it was is, is kind of a combination between uh me and and the developers that we kind of thought would be really cool uh so so we did take some some stuff from the orange bowl uh we took some stuff from sofi stadium from at&t uh we we took some stuff from baylor also i don't know if you've seen baylor's new stadium but it's really cool. They have some cool features. Um, we, we took some stuff from the Milwaukee Bucks um, arena, uh, some concepts of fan engagement and stuff that they have there. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that actually is going to come out in the next couple of weeks uh, that you guys are going to see uh, in terms of renderings, right? So I, I said it before, that was only the first one. And I just wanted everyone to see kind of the look and feel more than like, you know, this seat is going to be specifically here or this palm tree is going to be there. You know, like those things can move with the click of a mouse, right? So it was more the look and feel that, that, that I was going for with that tweet and obviously showing everyone kind of what was going on. So I just wanted to make that clear because some people are like, oh, the, the seats aren't close enough or 
you know, the angle right. of the seats isn't right. You got to right. close yeah. it off so, so, the, so the sound can stay the sound, in. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like all those things uh, were not really in the scope of that, of that design. Again, as we progress, those things will change and they'll be more fine tuned and we'll get into more detail. That was these guys literally in three weeks. That's, that's kind of what they, what they came up with. So it wasn't a lot of time and they did a great job. And, and we're actually going to do some really cool stuff like with, with, with uh, virtual drones flying through the stadium, going inside, uh, showing the entire park. So we have a lot more coming out that you guys are going to really like. This was just, you know, a very basic sort of picture that, I, that I, I wanted to show it just so everyone sees the progress. Because, again, this is a stadium for the people. This isn't uh, something that is only for us or only for UM. It's something that the community needs to embrace and enjoy. So that's why I wanted people to be at least involved in the process of seeing what's going on. And, and I do look at all the feedback that people give me and I do try to input it as much as possible. Obviously, if it's something crazy that people are saying that doesn't make any sense, I'm not going to listen to it. But, you know, if people want seats closer to the stadium, that's obviously noted. And, and I'll make that adjustment as much as possible, uh, obviously, within the realm of what we can do. If people really don't like a certain thing that's going on with the stadium, I can obviously adjust that and I'll do my best to do it. But I, I want people to engage with it. And, and, and that's why during this process, we've been so transparent with showing you, you know, this is step one, step two, step three. And, and we've listened. And that's why we've used kind of Twitter as our platform so that people can engage with it and kind of share their opinions. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, I think I, I know one more question from me. And then, uh, you know, if you guys want to kind of top it off, I, I know another question that a lot of people have. And look. You know, we're, we're Miamians, right? We're born and raised here. We grew up, we under, we know the, the tropical park area. Uh, we know just the Miami area as a whole, that Westchester area and so on. Uh, you know, a lot of people have question marks on, you know, parking and getting to the stadium. And they're, they're thinking that it's going to be just too crazy, right? The traffic is going to be nuts. And I, I think people don't realize how nuts the traffic is everywhere in Miami, number one. Um, and number yep. two, how many ways there is to get in to tropical park, it's not only the 826. It's not only Bird Road. It's Miller. It's you know some of the, you know the the the, the other smaller little streets, 82nd Avenue. And I know I'm throwing these things out there for some of the some of the people that listen to us that don't live in Miami. But it's really not that hard, or feasible, for you to get 60,000 people, 50,000 fans yeah. into a place like Tropical Park, right? Yeah, and and you you need to have a little bit of an imagination. I know people sometimes struggle with that, but. <laughs> It is possible. Um, I mean, it's a huge park that I think that there was a, a festival the other, uh, maybe a couple months ago that had 50,000 people and, and I didn't hear any rumblings or complaints about traffic or whatever. And again, they play on Saturdays, so the traffic shouldn't be as big of an issue. Uh, and then also, uh, at, at some point, there's going to be some sort of ramp created uh, specifically for, for that getting in and out of there, or at least there should be, uh, kind of how they built now for for the Hard Rock Stadium where they have that, you know, overpass. I don't think you need an overpass. It's actually a lot easier to build some sort of passageway into the middle of the park to relieve the traffic than, than people think. So, uh, you know, it, it's there's already the setup. The, the beauty is the highway's right there. So you don't really have to build a huge extension to get off of there. Uh, so I, I think it's very feasible. It's, it's not something that's going to be super burdensome to do in terms of construction of a new street or a new passageway. Uh, it's actually relatively easy to do. It obviously is going to cost money to do it, but you know, if it 
if it makes sense, then people are going to want to vote for it and to do it. So I, I don't think the traffic will, will really be a huge concern. It's better than the Freedom Park traffic situation. And frankly, Hard Rock has gotten pretty bad with traffic, in my opinion. I mean, you're, you're stuck in traffic there no matter how you slice it. So, you know, living in Miami, you deal with traffic. I think, Jazz, you nailed it. Uh, no matter where you go, no matter what time, there's going to be, you know, a certain level of traffic. And, and that's just something you got to be accustomed to. I will add something, though, that I don't think anyone's really mentioned or thought of is a lot of the traffic that's going to be going to the stadium will be students. Like, you're going to have a lot more students going so they can walk. There's also going to be buses going from the university to the site, uh, which will relieve a lot of the traffic pressure that's going in and out. And right now what they do is they send the students from campus to Hard Rock. That's like almost an hour drive on buses. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have a seven you know, to 10 minute drive to Tropical Park from campus. So that's going to relieve a lot of pressure in terms of of uh, traffic. And then you're also going to have people that can park on campus if they really want to and take one of those same shuttles or buses to the stadium. It's only 10 minutes. So, uh, you know, you got to use your imagination with these projects a little bit. Uh, there's projects that really have serious parking issues. I, I don't think this is one of them. There's, you know, a ton of parking. We're going to have close to 16,000 parking spots, which is a lot uh, for a stadium of that size. So I, I really don't see that being a huge issue. Yeah, definitely. I Look, I think we're all excited about it. I think the rendering's got everybody going. Uh, we really can't wait to see what's next. Uh, what you know? What um, you all come out with? Or, uh, HKS? Did I say that right? HKS, right? Yeah. HKS yeah. Um, Architecture comes out with. I think we're really excited about all of that. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's great to have you on. You're always welcome. You're part of the family now. So whenever you want to come on and talk football, talk baseball, um, talk stadium, whatever you want to talk about, man. As long as we talk about the Canes, man, we're yeah. you know we uh, we'd love to have you on, man. So yeah, Jazz and I are it. always trying yeah. to wedge baseball into the show. So we're always trying to talk to baseball. <laughs> always, man. definitely yeah. a great excuse for us to talk baseball. Yeah, I can I can go with baseball for for a lot longer than I can with football or stadium talk. That's for sure. <laughs> I bet you can, man. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we truly appreciate it. We'll, hopefully, we'll have you on soon again. Awesome. All right. Have a good night. You, you too, do. bud. That was awesome, man. That was exciting. We got him uh, on last minute. So I, uh, for those of you that don't know, I used to coach Johnny in, in uh, where the snappers. He mentioned the snappers, Travel League Baseball, when he was right before he got into high school and his freshman year in high school as well. So um kid was an absolute you know superstar at that point he obviously played um for a while with the canes as well and he was a, a really great great baseball player for the canes also so um we truly appreciate him coming on and talking a little bit about the stadium and, and some other stuff what's spring like in park city utah Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.